0: Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org.
1: We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley with a new recreation map you'll hear about later in the show.
0: Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department encourages Oregonians to come out and experience the changing seasons, but also be well prepared for whatever winter brings. Whether it's snow on the mountain passes or big tides and storms at the coast, watch the weather and know what to expect. Okay. In today's episode, we are talking about the rise of Silver Falls State Park as a mountain biking destination and how a grassroots nonprofit called the Salem Area Trail Alliance has made a big difference for community recreation in the Salem area. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. <music> All right, today is a fun episode because we are welcoming on Beth Dayton, president of the Salem Area Trail Alliance, a group that's responsible not only for a great and growing number of mountain bike trails at Silverfall State Park, but also around the greater Salem area. Beth has been president of SATA since 2017, and it's great to have her. Beth, welcome. Thank you. Okay, so in this episode, Beth and I are going to talk about the growth of the Salem Area Trail Alliance and what that's meant with a special emphasis on Silver Falls because they just opened yet another trail out there. But we're going to try to touch on all the projects since all of them are worth visiting if you love trails. So, Beth, let's start here. What is Salem Area Trail Alliance? In the simplest way possible, what does your group focus on?
2: So, ACEDA is a registered 501c3 nonprofit since 2001, so over 10 years now. Our vision is to get more people on more trails in the greater Salem area. And we do that by uh, building and maintaining Trails for a a variety of trail experiences, including biking, hiking, and trail runners. Uh, We try to create social opportunities to connect with other trail fanatics, both on and off the trails. Uh, We collaborate with other trail-related organizations, for example, our local youth mountain bike teams. Um, And very importantly, we recruit, train, educate, and retain our volunteers.
0: Early on, did you see a need kind of for a group like this in the Salem area, because one of the knocks on Salem historically was that, you know, Portland was this cool outdoor town and Eugene was this cool outdoor town, but Salem was kind of a little bit maybe left behind. So was were you guys kind of trying to fill that void and, and make Salem more of an outdoor town early on?
2: Yeah, uh, for sure. And when we first started building mountain bike trails, we asked the question like, are there really mountain bikers in uh, in Salem? Is there a community here at all? And it turns out that uh, once you provide the opportunity, the answer is a resounding yes, that people are just starving for this kind of uh, uh, facilities and then the opportunity socially to get out and work on trails and meet other trail people.
0: So I remember the early days uh, of SATA, especially back around 2014, when a Linfield University professor named Jeff McNamee, kind of who had started the group largely because he wanted to build a 70 mile biking trail that connected the West Salem Greenways to the wineries in the West Hills. It was actually one of the first stories I wrote for the Statesman Journal is this quirky kind of ambitious idea. So is that how you came across SATA and whatever became of, came of that original idea? You guys have done a lot of other stuff. I haven't heard about the, the Greenways Trail in a while.
2: Yeah, so that's kind of two questions. But um. The the Greenway idea has kind of uh, drifted to the background, and I think part of that is because uh, other groups have stepped to the forefront with this idea of um, long-distance routes for bikes, like uh, Travel Oregon and the Salem Bikeways is pretty awesome. So that's filled a need for um, road biking and gravel biking. And then the Oregon Timber Trail, of course, has this almost 700-mile route the length of, of Oregon. So those organizations are going that direction and uh, SATA's niche has really evolved more toward recreational trail systems for mountain biking, trail running, and hiking. But that's uh, the thing that really drew me to SADA was that I had been working, sort of burrowing around by myself with a small group of friends working on the Coyson Trail in uh, South Salem, and just kind of finding my way by trial and error, um, but not really with any organization. And then I heard about a meeting, for this trail organization sat and I was like, oh my gosh, there's other people like me out there. Um, So I attended that meeting um, and really almost within a month I was on the board and just kind of found my tribe.
0: Yeah, so you found your tribe, and then eventually you've kind of moved to the forefront of it. You've been president since 2017. You know, what allowed you to take kind of this leadership role as the mission of SATA has evolved?
2: <laughs> what allowed me was a, a, a hand in the middle of my back from Jeff saying, <laughs> somebody's got to take this thing and run with it. <laughs> I didn't want to see it die. So it's just one of those times in life when you say somebody somebody has to carry this through, and I like I guess that's me. Uh, and the... The board, the team has really stood behind me, so it's it's been a great thing. Now, I also kind of uh, ended up getting the job of being trail boss on our first project at Silver Falls, and uh, it was really amazing to me the interest in the local community as soon as that broke news that people were just lining up to come out and work on the trail. So that really sustained me and gave me you know the courage to uh, push on.
0: Yeah, it strikes me that you guys created this thing that people were looking for. Like, there was a lot of people like you out there who wanted more trails, wanted Salem to be a better recreation town, but it needed sort of like a center to it. It needed like a gravitational force. And I feel like SATA has almost become that gravitational force that all these kind of trail fanatics that you talk about ha- have come to. I mean, how many people does the does the group have? I mean, is it still growing? Uh, give me a snapshot of like your membership and stuff like that.
2: Uh, so even though, you know, technically we're a membership organization, having people sign up at, as members is, is great because it helps us keep the lights on with that, you know, $30 a year. But the most important thing is just having people participate. So we have maybe a hundred paying members, we'd like to have twice that many, but the important thing is when we have a a trail work party or a maintenance day, uh, back, you know, in the pre-COVID days, we would get 30 people to show up, which is pretty awesome. So we have this, kind of have this saying that the uh, SEDA built the Catamount Trail, but really the Catamount built SEDA. And if you don't have a project that people can physically get their teeth into, you can't just have... An organization that just floats around—you got, you got to be doing something—and the Catamount was our something.
0: Yeah, well, that's a, that's a great uh, way to segue into what's going on at Silver Falls State Park in terms of mountain biking. I think it's fair to say that's one of the the biggest impacts you've had in the area. We'll talk about the new trail that was just completed out there in a second, but early on. What made Silver Falls the kind of logical target for new trail systems and for expanding it and what it's become? Like, you know, did you look at it and say, wow, there's a lot of terrain in the backcountry. Let's do this. Or how did that happen?
2: (laughs) Well, I think if you look into the origin story of a lot of trails, there's a lot of things that sort of accidentally happened that all lined up. uh, That was not necessarily as calculated and intentional as you stated. So there were three three guys from Silverton who had noticed that the master plan for Silver Falls State Park had a, uh, a line on it that said future trail. Uh, and they asked for permission to start working on it, which they got. Uh, but after a while discovered that three people building miles and miles of trail, it just takes kind of forever. And there's also benefits to having a nonprofit involved because you can apply for grants and all kinds of make agreements with a land manager and all of that. So they approached SATA wanting to team up Uh, And at the time, I was like, I don't, there's no mountain bike trails at Silver Falls. What are you guys talking about? And then I got out there and started looking around. I was like, oh my gosh, Uh, Silver Falls is like 9,000 acres, and only about 10% of that is really used by almost everybody who goes there for the waterfall trails. And there's all this backcountry that's just kind of there. The trails are, the old trails are not very good quality. They're basically skid roads, fire roads that, They plunked a sign on it and called it a trail, uh, but they're not very entertaining. They're double track, wide, muddy, too steep or too flat. Uh, And and then the opportunities beyond those logging roads are just kind of infinite. So the the first section of the catamount was just three miles long, built all by hand, which took us about three years. Uh, So that's how much work it takes to actually dig in that primeval jungle just by hand work. Um, and then when we really got kick started was when uh, SATA was awarded a 2016 Recreational Trails Program grant for $150,000. And with that, we were able to hire this company called Dirt Mechanics out of Ben. And what they do, their primary job is they build recreational trails. Um, and we had this aha moment realizing that with money you can put in a lot of great trail in a much shorter period of time and still engage your volunteers Uh, so that really doubled our our trail length in just one season Um, yeah and from there you just sort of start looking around saying well what an out and back trail is nice amazing how excited people were to have three miles of trail how excited would they be to have all kinds of loops and figure eights and different combinations of trails that you could ride all over the that country.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned early that earlier that, you know, was Catamount kind of the the galvanizing moment for for SATA? Was that sort of the time when people maybe were seeing about it in the news, they were hearing about it through word of mouth and started just coming to it because they they liked this idea. Was that just a galvanizing moment?
2: Yeah, that really that really Uh, took Seda from being just sort of a bunch of people sitting around drinking beer and talking about trails to actually getting out and making trails happen and creating a community. So we'd kind of dabbled with the Spring Valley trails. That was where we cut our teeth. I don't think it got a lot of excitement, although those trails are actually pretty well loved. Uh, But really, the the Catamount is what, uh, that was our coming out party. And it's just been growing since then.
0: So we're going to get into other ones, but just real briefly, if for anybody listening who hasn't ridden the Catamount, what does it look like? Why is it so appealing? Like what makes it stand out as a as a mountain bike trail?
2: Yeah. So Catamount is, um, I would call it a cross-country trail uh, with a kind of an easy to intermediate technical difficulty, but really the forest that it's laid down in, I think is what makes it extraordinary. Um, it's like, it's a primeval wilderness, old growth, Douglas fir, hemlock, giant vine maples, salamanders and slugs. And it's just, I mean, if you, especially people who come from uh, like the Bend side of the, where everything is dust and rock and just can't believe these giant, you know, three and a half foot diameter trees. And, and you're just kind of sailing through it. You remember like the scenes from uh, Return on the Jedi from Star Wars. It's like that and speeder bikes through the big trees. So it's it's the environment uh, that really really makes it special.
0: Yeah, and then you you expanded from from catamount. Uh, there's other trails that came up the the newt loop and the skills area. The the newt loop. My kids are four and six years old, and we've just started doing that, and that's been a lot of fun. So did you just start once you had catamount? Did you just start adding on to it and adding on to it?
2: Pretty much. I mean, you, my thought was to build from your point of strength. So you got this. Three mile trail which you can ride out and back so that's kind of a start but people obviously want to do a lot more than that the trail didn't go all the way to the trail head so you had to ride a road to get to it and so we conceived with this idea to make a beginner loop that was right up against right close to the parking lot it was like two and a half miles long so like your four and six year olds those are the perfect new loopers it's a wide trail it's not too difficult may have to walk some of it when you're six years old but another year or two you can ride the whole thing uh, and then with our RTP grant, uh, we were able to add the skills section. and that was really that was a really cool collaboration between dirt mechanics, our builders, a professional mountain biking instructor, and a graphic designer who made the um, instructional panels. And it just sort of evolved into this kind of cool place where people can go play, not get too far from the trailhead or too, you know committed. Uh, But learn some skills and actually enjoy a really uh, beautiful uh, rainforest environment.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it works together with just the overall experience at Silver Falls at this point, because you have, you know, some of the paved trails that kids can ride like around the campgrounds, you know, ride into the lodge and stuff like that. And then there's a, a paved backcountry trail too that you know kids can do and then they can go and do some mountain biking stuff now and it's just like this like you can have a whole progression at silver falls from the easiest stuff which is riding around on paved trails to you know mountain biking trails to then they can get a little more advanced which brings me to some big news that you guys have reopened a new trail just recently i think it was called the boomer trail that's what people have been calling it but you have renamed it uh, Roamer's Meadow Trail, correct? So what's going on with this trail? Where is it? Uh, what does it bring to the table? And how does it fit into this overarching thing that's being created out there? Yeah.
2: So uh, looking at the at the map and the, the back country, which is really that whole the other side of the highway from the waterfall trails. If you start looking like, how can we make figure eights and giant loops? And there's a, what we call the epic loop. Which is about 15 miles of some pretty rugged backcountry trail that um, starts you at 214 Trailhead, goes all through the backcountry and back to where you started from. So, what can we pick off in this loop little by little to make it a really great, amazing uh, trail? And there was this two mile section over by an area called the ranches. Um, And it was kind of a not a very, I mean, you can use it, but it's an old fire road that's super steep. Has no really fun factor to it. It just goes straight down the hill, um, and the thing the park didn't like about it is it tended to dump visitors right into this uh, ranch area, which you can rent. So you'd be like out there in your mountain biking stuff, and next thing you know, you're like riding through the background of somebody's wedding or something like that. So uh, the the park uh, we really had the interest in creating a trail that. Uh, connected the same dots, but kept people out of this rental ranch area. So one of the amazing times on the land manager and the trail builders are in complete collaboration, like, yes, this works for us and that works for you too. Uh, so it's really, it's a two mile section that connects the perimeter trail uh, down to Racket Ridge Trail. So it's kind of on the north side of the park, whereas the Catamount is more towards the south. And it's another link in this epic loop. Um, The one mile of it is about a mile and a half of it is like big swoopy rounded corners uh, rocking through these giant trees and you know kind of the whole rainforest thing and then it dumps out into a meadow which I don't think a lot of people even know there are meadows at Silver Falls so it's kind of unique. So you go through this sunny meadow and then a quick dodge into the trees before you join up with the rest of the trail system that uh, previously existed and the, the name came from, so we are calling it Boomer Trail after these critters called mountain beavers, which are giant rodents that dig holes everywhere. And the common name for them is a boomer, kind of a double entendre on us baby boomers that are actually out there building the trail. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that just ended up being a nickname. The park had, has specific regulations of how you have to name trails in a state park. Uh, so one of the park rangers came up with the idea of Roamer's Meadow, which sounds like you know, like roaming around, but it's actually spelled R O E M E R S, and it's named after a plant called Romer's fescue, which is a kind of an unusual and valuable uh, grass that grows. It's a bunch of grass that grows in meadows. And so Romer was a he was a Swiss botanist and physician back in the 1700s. So named after him, Romer's fescue, Romer's Meadow Trail. Uh, we're calling it the R M T, which is a little bit of a a joke on the The MRT, the Mackenzie River Trail, which, of course, is 26 miles long. Our little trail is two miles long. So it's the RMT. Okay.
0: So describe the the trail a little bit. You did talk. Is it um, kind of a flow trail where it's, you know, you got the big berms and, you know, maybe some jumps and stuff like this? Like what level of challenge is this compared to to other trails out there is this pretty advanced is it something you know an intermediate rider can use who's gonna who's gonna use this the most and have fun with it
2: well technically the the specs on it are a beginner trail although it feels like a lot more than that there's certainly no gap jumps or anything like that nothing technical you can ride it both up and down it's a, it's a bit of a test of your cardio system riding up there's some spots where you have to kind of dig deep to get up them. Uh, But nothing particularly tricky. And certainly on the downhill, anybody with, uh, I would say, low intermediate skills is going to have a really good time. Um, Big, rounded corners, some lumpy, bumpy rollers, um, just like super pleasant. Reminds me of like tree skiing on the blue runs. Where you can just kind of relax and let it let it roll.
0: And how does it fit into to the grand scheme? So I mean, is it's does it connect on this epic loop? Does roamers on one side and catamount on the other kind of hold it in there? And then there's there's stuff in between that you can ride, or describe that that loop or what you're the overarching thing you're trying to create there, just a little more.
2: Yeah. So what you said is about right. If you start at the two fourteen trailhead go into the Newt Loop, you can ride that a couple times, have fun on some of our little skill sessions, and then dive down the Rabbit Hole. Rabbit Hole is less than a mile long, but has 13 big rounded switchbacks, uh, which are kind of a hoot to ride down. Uh, then you pick up a little bit of flat trail uh, to go over towards Racket Ridge. So now you're heading north to the park and then hop on uh, Roamers, So that would take you up these big swoopy turns through the great big trees and hook into Perimeter Trail. And Perimeter was built in the 1980s, wasn't really built as a mountain bike trail, obviously. There weren't a lot of mountain bikes running around in the early 1980s. So it's a little more primitive, a little more rough and ready, a lot of climbing, um, and you'd spend about five or six miles on the Perimeter Trail, um, and then eventually end up on the far outer edge of Catamount, which takes you home. Last part of Catamount is currently closed because of the fires, but you can get around it by going on some of the existing fire roads.
0: Gotcha. So is the goal, the, the long term goal to have like, are you going to build other trails and a perimeter that are that are more friendly or what's the long term vision for this is it improving the epic loop is it adding different trails to it or what's what's the, in the future of silver falls when it comes to mountain bike trails
2: i guess if i had to say in a word it's uh diversity of experience so we want something that a person on their very first mountain bike ride can have a blast and kind of get you know a little gateway drug kind of get a little bit hooked and also something that someone wants to really go out for hours and have a really deep almost wilderness type experience they can find that too So when you have a system, you can choose. Do you want a two-mile ride? Do you want a 20-mile ride? Do you want to do a figure eight? And Are you not feeling so punchy today and want to do something a little easier? So lots, lots of options. We're at the point now where we've probably put in all the completely new trails that we're going to. And now we're looking at the so-called trails, which are really these logging roads, and saying how can we do realignments, restructure these, make, rebuild them so they have good drainage, um, so they're more fun and more scenic. So basically replacement of um, not very good facility with a modern, updated, fun facility. So one at a time, pick these off and recreate them in a more modern image.
0: Awesome. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. So, I mean, the goal will eventually be to have like a really fun 15 20 mile loop that where all you know there isn't the the super rocky you know not so fun places like the whole thing will be nice
2: right and where you can slice and dice that loop you don't have to go 15 miles you could go two or six or ten depending on what it is you're looking for
0: Cool. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here to hear from our sponsors. When we return, we'll talk about some of SATA's other projects, including the rise of pump tracks and bike parks, which honestly might be the best thing ever designed for younger kids just (laughs) learning to ride. That's when we return. I'm Andy
1: Geisler. I'm a forester at the American Forest Resource Council, and we're proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Like you, I love the outdoors. On many days, the forest is my office. I work on the ground with public lands agencies on good forest management projects. Forest management helps achieve important conservation goals while providing sustainable timber. Science-based forestry helps improve wildlife habitat, outdoor recreation, clean air and water. And it's essential to providing renewable, climate-friendly wood products. Learn more about us at amforest.org.
0: Alright, our newest sponsor is Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean beach, ancient forest, and a shocking number of beautiful places you might never have heard of, all centered around towns like Manzanita, Pacific City, and Tillamook. This is a beautiful area to visit, and the best way to plan a trip here is by looking at their newly created Trails and Recreation map. The map features 800 different sites, from campgrounds to beaches to hiking trails. My favorite thing about the map is that it breaks down activities into 13 categories. So say you're looking for a campsite. Just click on the drop-down menu and 22 different campsites appear, and you can get information on each one. If you're looking for a hike or a way to get on the water, the map has 40 different trails and 48 boat ramps all laid out on an easy-to-navigate digital map. To find the map and get started, visit TillamookCoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. All right, welcome back. One of the things I'm personally most thankful to SATA for is the creation of the bike park at Gear Community Park in Salem. It features these really great things called pump tracks that are just awesome for younger kids just trying to learn bike skills. There's single track around there. There's a few jumps and it's right on the east side of Salem. So very close to an urban area. My two girls love it. They asked to go to the bump track as often as they possibly can. And I remember writing about this plan, you know, early on. But why was this a good project to put SATA's energy behind? How did this how does this fit into your mission, these sort of urban bike parks?
2: Well, I think you hit it on the nose, Zach, that this is really the this is the gateway for young kids and families to find out how fun biking can be in a really very non-structured sort of free form way uh, in the neighborhood where your park is. Many, many families can just literally like go out their back door on their little bikes and ride right down to the park. So it's not a big journey where you have to you know, load up and go for the whole day. You could just go down to your local park and it's super fun. Uh, I think it, it encourages people to, try harder and to learn how to make the bike do what you want it to. And for some people, bike parks or BMX biking is the end zone, what they're looking for. For others, it's just the start. And then they proceed from there to uh, more um, cross-country style trails or wilderness trails, like you might find at Silver Falls or other places. So it's great. You can build one of these almost anywhere, depending on how extensive it's going to be. You don't need a huge amount of space.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to see how young kids can really pick up a lot of speed and have a lot of fun on it. Like I have a four year old and I've been out there and seen, you know, three year olds just kind of flying around the tracks (laughs) out there, which is really funny to watch just because there's such tiny little humans and they're going so fast. What is it about pump tracks that allows that to happen? So how are pump tracks geared towards working, I guess, for lack of a better term.
2: Well, it makes you work with your bike to find a rhythm. And the rhythm, I think, is a normal human thing. Think of rocking a baby, rocking in a rocking chair, swinging on a swing. It's soothing but um, stimulating at the same time to find that rhythm, just like pumping on a swing. Like, how do I change my balance? How do I make it go? And it's not something you have to tell somebody. You just go figure it out. And in my mind, the strider bikes are one of the more awesome things to happen to youth biking where I've seen kids like literally still in diapers. They only have four teeth and they can ride these little strider bikes without pedals and it just hooks directly into their brain. You don't have to tell them how to steer or how to lean. They just figure it out just like they figure out how to walk and how to run. And the pump tracks just add a little little fun to that. It's like going down the slide or swinging in the swing gives you that sense of motion and rhythm that's really pleasing.
0: And I really like the way that there is a very easy pump track to start off with. So they can, just about any kid can do that first one. And then they look across the way and then there's kind of the the medium pump track that's that's still paved, but they're kind of like, okay, you know, my confidence is here. I feel like I can do this one. And then there's a dirt track with bigger stuff. And it's there's a nice progression just within this fairly small area of the bike park at at gear park so did you design it that way so kids could move from like beginner to intermediate to advanced and then maybe be ready to go off into the future
2: yeah i mean that's kind of the the general plan is that you want to have an area that has a progression of skills so you don't have um, folks or little little folks trying to ride the big stuff and either getting discouraged or getting hurt Um, And also, once uh, people get a little skill set, they need to get off the kiddie track, you know, and find something a little more challenging. So I think a a new thing for urban areas, is what's called a bike playground, where you think playgrounds now, you think like a super safe little play structure. They don't even have swings and slides on them anymore, hardly, uh, but make a, a, a play area where kids can take their own little bike and ride around and have fun. It uh, was sort of a mini mini bike park for the the under twelve set, and hopefully these will become more and more common features wherever you have uh, playground. Well, let's talk a
0: little bit about a few of the other projects that you guys have done. You mentioned that the the Kruisen Creek and Skyline Trail System was one of the first things you worked on. Uh, so what does that trail bring to the to the table within the context of all the stuff that SATA does?
2: Yeah, so urban connectivity, uh, easy trails, uh, we call them pocket trails. So they're just sort of tucked in here and there. People love this stuff. I, I was actually surprised to learn from uh, Gallagher's Fitness, who does a lot of running and walking, um, coaching. And they said the average person only needs two to three miles of trail to really do what they want to do in an urban area. It's like, well, that's not very much, two miles of trail. Uh, so, the Croydon Trail uh, connects neighborhoods. Uh, I actually used to bike commute on it to work at the hospital, which is kind of a little fun piece of my day. People go out there and walk their dogs. They do bird watching. They take mini hikes with kids. And it's just it's so accessible. Uh, and it gives you a break from the, the pavement, asphalt, uh, traffic. Uh, Some people have referred to it as our little mini forest park. because You sort of feel like you've dodged into the wilderness in the middle of suburbia. And I think a lot of runners actually will um, take these little trails and then loop them into bigger loops that go through city streets just to give some variety.
0: We've talked about some of the projects you've done. Another one was spring Valley trail system, which is another kind of pocket system that's uh, out just, uh, you know, north of, of West Salem and, uh, one of the, that was, that was your first trail uh, system that you guys put together, correct? That was kind of back when Jeff was still contemplating the the 70 mile trail right. along the greenway. So this was a, this is like a little greenway trail system. What does it bring to the table?
2: So there's um, the trails are set up kind of like a cloverleaf loop that all come back to the parking lot. Each trail is only a mile or two long. Uh you see a lot of dog walkers and bird watchers out there. Uh, it's a great place to take kids to ride because you're not it's not, you know how it is with kids. Sometimes you get way out away from the parking lot and then everybody's done, like we're we're finished. Uh, but this way you're never very far away from your car, uh, but you still get to experience these this interesting little woods down by the Willamette River. So, yeah, we'll continue to keep that up. We go out there every year and do some brushing and we did a massive cleanup out there after the ice storm. It just got really got hammered. Uh, and we called for volunteers, they showed up, and in like a day, we totally reset that whole system. So that that was pretty fun.
0: So you've got this this um, collection of trails that you guys have put together. You've got Silver Falls, Spring Valley, you've got Gear Park, and the Skyline Trail system. In the future, um, I know there's been some talk about a Marion County site uh, being developed into a bike park. It's called the McClay site, and uh, it was a landfill for a long time, but has really generated a lot of excitement for what might be possible out there. It's 44 acres, it's still in the early stages. But what about this McClay site is so exciting for you guys? What what could it be? What could it become and what's the potential there?
2: Yeah, boy, this this site is amazing. I mean, it was a landfill. All the mitigations have been done, so it's kind of there on a silver platter. Uh, the county uh, did some land trades and really is obligated to develop the land for public use. The amazing thing about it is that in this kind of relatively small area, there's all kinds of different terrain. So there's a flat area with some big trees that'd be perfect for your picnic sites, restrooms, kiddie bike park, playground, that kind of thing. And then there's an area that dives off into a ravine that's just like waiting to be painted with uh, uh, jump trails and flow trails um, with a not very steep return tracks so you can have one-way one-way trails, and then there's plenty of space for other things too. One of the local um, groups that does um, Frisbee Golf is super excited about this site, and uh, I think Frisbee Golf and mountain biking go together like peas and carrots, and I could just see this being a family-friendly place where the kids play on the bike playground, and part of the family plays Frisbee Golf, and the other part goes mountain biking. And it's only 20 minutes from Silver Falls, so you can also get two very different experiences, all kind of wrapped up in a a fairly close area and not far from downtown either if you need to go get food or do something like that. So I think a good economic and tourism draw to the area as well as being super fun.
0: Yeah, I, when I talked to you about this, because uh, we had a story on this um, a few months ago, and one of the things that struck me was you mentioned, you know, you you start off at the earliest stage at Gear Park, you know, with the, the smallest kids, maybe they're on the Strider bikes, and, you know, they master all of the trails out there. They're ready for something a little bit more, and maybe they come out to this new park, and they do that for a while, and then they can go to Silver Falls. So there's almost a whole, like, life cycle of potential trails, like, you know, all in the Salem area, all within... 40 minutes or something. Is that, you know, if it all came to fruition, is that sort of an end goal? Uh,
2: Absolutely. And I think also adding in other sort of unstructured outdoor recreation, for example, at Gear Park, uh, the city is going to be building a skate park. In fact, it won't be long before we'll be asking for public input on that. So uh, the more things you can do, the more fun you can have. So bring your skateboard, bring your bike, um, and then, like you say, you can advance to things that uh, that might be at the McLeay zone.
0: This is a lot of stuff that you guys have done in a relatively short amount of time. You know, what what have you what changes? I guess have you seen over the past like five to ten years in terms of recreation in Salem?
2: Well, I don't I don't know that SEDA created a mountain biking community, but we certainly uncovered it. Um, I think people were going other places to ride, and there really wasn't a, a social vibe for mountain biking and trails, and that's. That's all changed now. We really have a, a great communication and social atmosphere. Um, a lot of support, I think, for any new projects that may come up. So we sort of awaken people to the local possibilities.
0: Gotcha. Well, is there anything else you're excited about in the future or planning for in the future? Anything else that, you know, is on your horizon for, for SATA?
2: We always have our feelers out there for any potential projects and um, a lot of these things, you'd be surprised once you get involved. It takes a long time from the first nugget of an idea to when you actually put a shovel in the ground. I call it like a, it's like an iceberg. You know, when you're finally actually building the trail, probably 80 or 90 percent of the work has already been done. And I think our uh, volunteers and our board are now trying, starting to understand that you, you got to be in it for the long run. These things do not happen overnight. So we are keeping tabs on uh, possibly some new trails up the Saniam Canyon around the gates in Detroit area. There's county parks that got totally fried by the Labor Day fires up the Little North Saniam. Some of these could be reinvented uh, with trail systems um, once the hazard trees and things are figured out. Uh, so there's there's probably five or seven projects that we're kind of monitoring, keeping track of. You know, for every project that you start out following maybe only one in five or one in ten actually gets all the way to the finish line but that's why you have to uh, always have a lot of a lot of irons in the fire um, just to see which is the one that's really really going to come through
0: Okay. And if people want to join or contribute, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Do they pop over to your website and look at coming out on Build Days? Can they donate money? What's What, what helps you guys
2: out? Yeah, do all those things. So um, Salem Area Trail Alliance has our website. You can just Google that, SalemTrails.org. Uh, and there is a spot there to join. We're actually uh, going onto a new platform now for our memberships. And once that gets fully installed, we'll do a little more of a membership drive. Uh, But really, if, you know, if we have 100 members that pay $30 a year, that almost keeps our light on, our lights on, just stuff you have to have, like insurance and fees. If you get twice that many members, it gives us a little bit of wiggle room. So that is important. Uh, We're just starting to get back to public work parties. We're figuring out what the rules are with COVID and all. Uh, So there's going to be some... Work starting up at Silver Falls. There's always routine maintenance and things. So, those will come out on our Facebook page and uh, on the website when we're ready to really invite the public and get back to work.
0: All right. Well, for my part, I really appreciate all you've done for biking and recreation in Salem. I certainly use a lot of the places you guys have built a lot. And, you know, I have tried to get out there and get down a work party when it's possible. Um, and I know a lot of people feel the same. So, Thanks again for everything you've done, and thanks for being on the podcast today. Once again, we've been talking to Beth Dayton, the president with the Salem Area Trail Alliance.
2: Thanks, Beth. Thanks for having me, Zach. Well,
1: that's about all the time we have left in today's show. We hope this gave you some motivation to grab your bike, grab some friends or family, and hit the local trails. If you like what you heard, check out our back catalog of what is now over 50 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesomjournal.com slash explore. You can also always find us at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resource Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for our future. Learn more at amforest.org.
0: We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast, a great place to plan your outdoor adventure with the help of their new recreation map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors.
1: Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.